I have to think anyone watching here today understands that water is fundamental for survival. Whether we are man, beast, insect, or plant, we all require water in order to live. And it's something that we all take for granted. It's highly abundant in most places on this planet. However, in some places, it's not so abundant. And in many places throughout the country, our aging water infrastructure is failing to meet the demands of the people who live in those communities. Everyone knows about Flint, Michigan, and the massive failures led in the pipes there in that community, and the failure of the government to fix it. However, you may not know about Blue Water Village, New Mexico. My guest today is a young man by the name of Paul Spencer. I met him when I was at the Moment of Truth Summit several months ago in Missouri, and Paul is fighting for the water rights and the infrastructure for the people of his community. He's fighting for self-governance and the ability to continue to live in a place that he's called home for his entire life. So please do me a favor, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, and I'll be right back after this with Paul Spencer. Okay. All right, guys, welcome back to another special episode of Red Pill News. I'm here one more time at the Moment of Truth Summit in Springfield, Missouri, with Mike Lindell and a ton of amazing patriots. One of those patriots is sitting next to me, a man named Paul Spencer. You're here from New Mexico, is that right? Yeah, Blue Water Village, New Mexico. Okay, and tell me a little bit about your community. So we're about 170 connections. We're talking water now, Uh, and it's a big issue for us. It's a nationwide water is life. And there's a huge drought in the southwest right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that we got to be concerned with and we need to address. And we need to uh, do that with uh, public participation, with the community from the ground, like grassroots level. Sure, sure. So so what exactly is happening there in New Mexico? I, I mean... You guys, I know that I know about Lake Mead. I know Lake Mead is very, very low. It's lower than it's ever been before. Recently, there's been some rain, but at a certain point, that water is going to dry up. And where are people in the southwest going to get their water from if that happens? You know, I'm not sure why we waited to this very last moment until we're in a crisis. Well, we're going through this drought to address these issues, and we're still not addressing these issues. These issues need to be addressed. And we need to go to the community to get that to happen because what the EPA wants to do now, they're promoting regionalization. Regionalization is centralized government. That means they'll come in and instead of having elected officials uh, that you know that we elect region or within our community uh, to operate our government and to take control of the decisions and and the uh, the, the problems that we face. They will um, assign, uh, appoint uh, these people within the region to to uh, take care of our system. So are you speaking specifically about water management, or are there broader issues at play? Water management. So at the government level, uh, instead of having an elected government by the people, for the people, it's going to be a point. They'll take over the system through uh, transfer of ownership, through regionalization. Uh, of course, they'll go through the, the, the proper process to do that. But that's what's disturbing to me is we're waiting to work in a crisis like this today, in a drought, and people are going to be pressed, one, for money, because now we got to worry about inflation. And we are ready, 85% of New Mexico... Uh, falls under the medium house income, uh, medium income household uh, level uh, that in the last census. So that makes that eighty-five percent of New Mexico un, not eligible to um, 
afford the loan portion of this brand new bipartisan infrastructure law that put $50 billion into the two same SRFs, the state revolving funds that oversee the funding of these SRFs are, are uh, originally intended for small communities, low populations. And these uh, 85% of New Mexico cannot afford to partake of this grant funding, $50 billion, that they just put in through the bipartisan infrastructure uh, because they can't afford the, the loan portion of it. So, so what is that fund meant to do? So that fund is uh, the SRFs, the state revolving funds, are meant to help these small communities with low populations that can't afford on their own to keep in compliance with state and federal regulation. And, uh, you know, that's water. It's safe. It's supposed to be... So, so for water, water processing and delivery? For delivery of water, for the delivery of uh, wastewater safely, disposing of that water, and serving the community uh, safe drinking water. So who is handling that now, and is that being done, uh, you know, successfully? So the two state revolving funds, I think that's what you're referring to, is who's handling this funding. Uh, for New Mexico, it's New Mexico Finance Authority. They're all on that certain different part. There's all kinds of different agencies within the government. This particular uh, agency within New Mexico Finance Authority is a quasi-government. Uh, New Mexico Environmental Department, so the Environmental Department takes care of the Clean Water Revolving Fund. And that, that's all. That's pretty much all throughout the United States of America. Every, every state has an Environmental Department in there that handles the Clean Water Revolving Fund. And for us, the Drinking Water Revolving Fund, which is the second SRF, is handled by uh, New Mexico Finance Authority. And how about the uh, actual like cleaning and distribution of the water and the sewage and the wastewater? Is that, is, I mean, is that successfully being handled right now, or is that a problem that you guys are facing? So, not just New Mexico, but all of America is dealing with aging and failing water systems uh, because. Since the 70s is the last time they addressed this, and they had subsidized these communities efficiently enough or that they could serve safe, clean, affordable water. But now we have systems since the 70s that makes them 45 years old. They're leaking. 15% to 20%, they're leaking that amount of water that they produce. 15 to 20% of produced water. And that's 90% of water systems are doing it. Um... These communities are 85% of New Mexico's uh, small community public water systems are volunteer-based. And I'm sorry, it's 80%. 85% can't afford it. 80% are volunteer uh, board members that run these things. And what the state governments and these different organizations say is that these communities don't have the capacity to operate these systems sufficiently. And how can they say that when they don't fund them for years and decades? They neglect to prioritize small community public water systems by not providing affordable funding and affordable technical assistance. So it's for years. I mean, look at since 2000, the EPA has reduced its management by 54%, costing taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars and overpaid invoices. So, so what exactly does that mean? Are you saying that uh, the uh, the federal government is still collecting the same amount of money from the taxpayers in uh, ostensibly to deliver to the EPA for services rendered, 
but they're not delivering on those services and what, they just pocket the money? Not only are they not delivering and they're failing to meet their goals, they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars to contractors and to engineers who, for example, in Blue Water, are the engineer charges $60,000 to basically copy, paste, and quick copy and paste uh, a drawing of a well house 90 degrees to the south, 100 feet. And we called them out on that and said, well, you didn't do that. And they said, they settled for 1250 bucks. <laughs> so um, we caught them. And then during the process that we caught them doing that, um, the... New Mexico Construction Bureau Program went and did their research and found that they were charging time and material rather than lump sum. All state contracts in New Mexico are supposed to be lump sum contracts, and they were charging time and material to the very end of the project. And that's because they, they had four people overseeing 500 projects. Because this is a nationwide issue, 54% of the EPA has reduced its management, so they don't have the oversight is needed to protect the taxpayers' dollars. This is something I've heard happening in uh, foreign nations. Uh, military contractors bleeding dry the federal government and the various branches of the military. You know, $150 for a hammer uh, or, you know, d- various like uh, supplies being purchased for 10 times their value. And then they get used once and then they get thrown out and then they have to buy more of them. And we're the ones paying for it. So that's kind of distressing to hear that it's happening not only in New Mexico, but all over America. You know, the difference between a third world country and us uh just the label i would imagine i mean we're basically third world at this point when we go into their their country we are setting them up to be a sovereign nation a sovereign country when we come here now the epa is promoting regionalization which is centralized government taking away the power of electing a representative to represent that community and its needs and Directing them through, I think what they call it is, uh, they will appoint somebody to be the director or to take the place of those elected board members, and they will be appointed to do what they want them to do. And so, what it is is regionalization is a transfer of ownership. You transfer your property, you share your property, your water rights. At the very end, it's kind of at the end of the of the, their end goal but uh, in order to do that you're surrendering your power your freedom to have a voice for your community by giving that to them to select and appoint somebody to speak for that community one might say that uh that's by design you know they have neglected these systems for so long in order to create the perfect scenario where it would become necessary to come in confiscate them so to speak and then put them into the hands of an unelected bureaucrat an administrator that could then do perhaps you know helping to implement something like agenda 2030 yeah you're exactly right so they're gonna so they starve them out of money they by not applying uh, or not affording them affordable uh, technical assistance or affordable funding and that causes conflict with the community because then people start pointing fingers well you did this you did this wrong you did that wrong well one they didn't have the training two they didn't have the available funding because they had to meet compliance they couldn't meet that compliance without raising the rates like in blue water village they raised their rates 300 percent that uh, so after raising our rates 300 percent 
And after making that mistake with the engineer charging time and material, and we were still out of compliance at the sewer lagoon. We got our well, our water well fixed, but the, we were still out of compliance at the sewer lagoon uh, with state and federal regulations. And they are well aware of that. But because we couldn't, they said, you need to come up with a plan to raise more money. So what that meant was we extinguished or we exhausted all uh, government funding program sort resources and everything that we can do. So we didn't know where to go. The only thing that left for us to do is to raise our rates more than 300%. And we said no. And so they said, well, we're going to withdraw the $1.2 million that we have set aside for you. And that's not longer going to be until you come up with a plan that you can afford to pay us back. And what it was is we didn't abide by the agreed upon budget. We're supposed to bring in $160,000 and we're in water revenue and we were only pulling in $120,000. So for $40,000, they withdrew $1.2 million. So what is your role in, uh, in your city? Well, like I said, it causes conflict within the community because I went to the legislators and said, this is before I knew that we were out of compliance with the December. I went to the legislature in January and asked them for $480 in uh, debt forgiveness so that we don't have to pay that back because there were other things going on. I mean, you say it's by design. Well, have you heard of anything about the Energy Transaction Act? Uh, No, I have not. It has shut down our power plant because of coal. It's a whole Obama, you know, his whole agenda. So they shut down coal. They shut down the power plant. And they shut down now, just recently, the oil refinery. So, how many jobs were lost? Four hundred jobs. How, how many people live there? So, that, that's uh, within traveling distance that we, those the companies have. So, a lot of people from surrounding communities uh, work there. So, not all from Blue Water Village, but uh, in Blue Water Village, it's a hundred and seventy connections, and that equals out to about seven hundred people. Okay, so a relatively small area. What do you think would happen if they were to shut everything down and force you guys to leave, leave your homes, find someplace else to live? Well, it seems like that's what they're trying to do. When they raise our rates so high that we can't afford it, that people stop paying or stop or move away or steal the water from the system. And that's kind of hard to control, especially when we're just a voluntary board trying to make that happen and try to serve safe, clean, affordable water. But for the health, safety, and peace of the people, we need to make this so it's affordable. If you're going to require us to follow the law, and that law requires additional funding because a small community can only put out so much money, but to meet those regulations, it's so expensive and difficult for a small community with low population to meet that. And that's why they have those state revolving funds. And so what we need to do is put pressure on our legislators, both at state and federal levels, and tell them, hey, we need to go back and look at what disadvantaged communities are and we need to look at low population. So in 2021, uh, New Mexico Environmental Department went back. You, we're all about redefining things. I mean, science is science until science doesn't work for them. Right. And, you know, the whole neutral gender, he, she, her, him. Well, they changed the definition of uh, what the Clean Water Act originally stated. It said it's for intended for small communities with low population. Well, the Clean Water Act didn't put a number on low population. So because they were getting uh, 
feedback from the legislators. They were, the legislators were upset that $336 million is just sitting stagnant for so long, probably like 10 years. They said, well, you guys need to do something about that. And so they did. They went back and they said, well, because we'll, in the rules, we'll change the definition so that we can serve bigger cities. So now that funding that's originally intended for small communities with low populations is going to bigger cities. Where, where they clearly don't necessarily need it as as badly as you guys. Now, when I said when I asked you what was your role here, um, I, you're just a concerned citizen. You, you're you're not. Are you somebody who is volunteering in this water system? Uh, yes, I'm a volunteer board member. Uh, then I, I became the president because when I went to go ask for that funding, um, and I, I told him, "Hey guys, look, we can't let this get between us. We need to work together." Well, it fell apart. They pointed fingers and said, well, if you didn't go ask for that funding, we wouldn't have been here where we are now. And you must have embezzled money. You must have misspent money. So they... They're accusing you of embezzling money? Accusing me of that. And so I went back and got all the evidence and came back to the meeting and said, hey, look, here it is. And they all quit. (laughs) You're the only one with integrity and they can't handle it. Wow. It's... it's, I mean, we're living day to day trying to make a, a livelihood. And, you know, this extra stress and this extra burden coming upon citizens who are volunteering their time to try to produce safe, clean, affordable water are being chased away and discouraged because of all that pressure. And who wants to deal with that when they're just trying to deal with everyday life? Of course, I mean, water is a necessity. I mean, you need it to live. You need it to do a lot of things. I'm sure. Are there any industries that revolve around water in town? Yeah, water is life. Yeah. Uh, just right down from where we where we we have our well, uh, about a mile is uh, where the power plant was getting their water. So there's huge the water is huge there, and they're they're trying to do hydrogen over there now, and that, you know that's a whole different story. But uh, um, so yeah, water is a big thing there. So how do you guys get power now if they shut down the, the power? Um, solar and wind. Really? That's it? That's all you've got? Uh, well, it's in a big grid, so okay, okay. we're expecting rollouts and blackouts. That's scary. Uh, oh, well, okay, so where can people go to find out information about this? Or if somebody is watching and they're you know, close by and maybe they want to volunteer, how can they get a hold of you? How can they get information? Yeah, well, you can call me at 505-287-0156 or email me at unopablocy60 at gmail.com. That's U-N-O, Pablo, P-A-B-L-O-C-Y-6-0 at gmail.com. And anything else you want the audience to know? Water is life, and uh, we need to fight for it. The fight is now. Uh, you know, we can't allow the uh, the EPA to come in and regionalize. We need to take up, and small uh, local community public water systems need to be controlled by small local governments, and we need to keep that local government control at the grassroots level. Well, I applaud you for what you're doing. You know, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to stand up. This is certainly a subject that uh, is very important to not only you, but to all the other people that live in your community. And I I can only imagine what would happen if they were able to squeeze you guys out. I mean, how close are you to the border? Where are you actually at, New Mexico? We don't fall under some of the the funding opportunities that go near the border because we're just right outside of that. So there there are some things that do that, but... uh, we're about four hours from the border, so we don't apply for that funding. But, uh, yeah, but hopefully they, we all get together and stand up and say, hey, this is our system. This is our government. You work for us. You need to make the corrections and make this a funding that this bipartisan infrastructure law, $50 billion available to these small 
communities with low populations. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming up and uh, introducing yourself, and uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you.